Today's class, first of this year. Hope everyone had a nice break and happy new year to everyone. Any questions before we begin today's class? We're on chapter four, topic three. The chapter is called The Yoga of Renunciation of Action in Wisdom. This topic is called Actions of Enlightened, Not Binding. What does that mean? Actions of Enlightened, Not Binding. Any idea? That's the topic. That's the theme of today's class. Actions of Enlightened. Who is enlightened? Well, who's considered enlightened? Yeah, Dharmesh? One who's connected to the self. It's one who's realized the self. So it says, actions of enlightened, not binding. What would that mean? This is the topic. Yeah, Dhammesh? The one binded is the one who's binded to our world and not yeah. to the self. Because okay. if you're connected to, or if you realize the self, you understand the world is not binding you. You don't care about the world. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, uh, what you're saying is right, in a nutshell, but we're going to cover what you've just said in detail today. Actions of enlightenment, we all act. So based on that, what it means is that any actions we do is binding to the world. But a self-realized person, his actions are not binding. So what does this binding and not binding mean? This is what we're going to discuss, yeah? Is that okay? So this third topic in this chapter explains how when, how when a person has merged with the self, becomes self-realized, he is free from desires. No more new desires are generated. Their actions no longer bind them to the world. They become free from suffering and sorrow. Totally liberated free from worldly involvement. This is the state of a self-realized person. You look at the life of any of these great sages, someone who's self-realized, we know a few. Many of them are not known. They're in the Himalayas, doing the tapas, self-realized. They don't come out to say, hey, I'm self-realized. We don't know most of them. But the few that we do know, Swami Tapavan, Swami Ramatita, Swami Rama Maharishi, Maharishi, you'll see a common factor amongst these sages. Any idea what the common factor is? Any idea? Take a guess. They're self-realized sages. 
what would be a common factor? How would their attitude be compared to ours? Take a guess, anyone? How would the self-realized person's attitude be to the world? Okay, well, that's what we've just covered, yeah? Nilam. Well, they'd be at peace and free of any agitation in whatever they're doing. Yeah, good. In a nutshell, you're absolutely right. They own nothing. They want nothing. And they need nothing. And they're completely content. And they're enjoying life. Completely happy. They want nothing, they own nothing, they need nothing. We want everything. We own so much. And we have so much, but are we that happy? This is the difference. So this is topic number three. Any questions? So the topic three starts from verse 19 to 24. And we did cover verse 19 um, in the last class, but that was so long ago, it was last year. <laughs> so we need, we need to have a little recap of verse 19 because it's quite important and it, Sets the foundation for this topic. Yeah. I'll, I'll uh, read the um, Sanskrit, I'll chant the Sanskrit and then read the translation. Yasya sarvesamarambaha kama sankalpa varjitaha karmanam Tamahu panditam buddha Yasya sarvesamarambaha Kama sankalpa varjitaha Jnana gnitakta karmanam Tamahu panditam buddha He whose undertakings are free from desire and expectation whose actions are burnt by the fire of knowledge, him the wise call a sage. It's a description of a self-realized person. What is this fire of knowledge? What is this fire of knowledge? He whose undertakings are free from desire and expectation, whose actions are burnt by the fire of knowledge. We've covered this last class. What is this fire of knowledge? Can everyone make sure their mics are off, please? What is this fire of knowledge? Yeah, Kevo? Is it that you, self-realization, so you have the knowledge that you are self-realized, which is why um, you're not affected by actions. Yeah, it says whose actions are burnt by the fire of knowledge. So what is what fire, what knowledge burns all desires, knowledge of the self. So whose actions are burnt by the fire of knowledge, the knowledge you're talking about is the self. That is who you are. When you gain this knowledge, 
It helps you reduce your desires. Then what happens? All your desires are gone. No more desires. You are free from those desires. It means you have realized the self. This person is called a wise sage. He's fulfilled his purpose in life as a human being. He's fulfilled. He knows the secret. We are the spirit and matter. Spirit is self, God. Matter is the body, mind, intellect. The self enlivens us, a human body, to act. Without the self, we're just matter. What is matter made up of? The four elements? What are the four elements that we're all made up of? Besides the self. What are the four elements? Look at your look at your arm, what you made up of. Earth, water, fire, air. That is us. Whoever you are, whatever you are, if you're a human being, you're made up of earth, water, fire, and air. These are inert elements. It needs this, you need this element of the spirit to enliven in that. So a self-realized soul knows that we are the self and not this matter, this body, mind, intellect. When we were cremated, it all dissolves back into the into the earth because that's where it comes from. So a self-realized person knows I am the self, not this matter. But due to our ignorance, we only relate to our body, mind, intellect, and not the self. This is our ignorance. How do you remove that ignorance? Knowledge of the self. This is what we're studying. Everyone with me? Yeah? I'm spoon feeding you all with this. So we're all on the same page. So we don't relate to the self, the spirit within us. We relate to the body, mind, intellect made up of the four elements. And because of this ignorance, we go through the three conditioned states. What are the three conditioned states? Throughout our life, from the time we're born, we go through these three conditioned states as a human being. Nilam, I see you're reluctant, but... Wake, the waker, the dreamer, and the deep sleeper. Thank you very much. Throughout our life, we're going for the waker, dreamer, deep sleeper, free conditioned states. When you're a baby, you're going more through the deep sleep state. As you grow older, waking, dream, deep sleep states. In the waking state, which we are experiencing right now, we are made up of the, we have the vasanas, thoughts, intellect, emotions, mind, and physical body. That is what is available to us right now as a waker. Vasanas, thoughts, emotions, and the body. That is all available to us. As the dreamer, you have vasanas, Thoughts, emotions, no body. 
no physical body, yeah? And as a deep sleeper, you just have nothingness. Even your vasanas are dormant. No mind, no intellect, no physical body. Last night, you were a dreamer, then a deep sleeper. Right now, you're all the waker. And the whole life, we are going through these three states of consciousness. Anyone disagree? Constantly, we're going through these three states. These are all conditioned states of consciousness. The self, the spirit, the God element in you, conditioned by these three states. Does everyone understand what that means? You are the spirit, the God element. But because of our ignorance, we go through these three conditioned states. It's like water being conditioned by Coke or Fanta. We don't know what pure water is. We've never tasted it. All our life, we've only tasted Coke and Fanta. But what these great sages are saying, this knowledge is saying, you are the self. You're not the waker. You're not the dreamer. You're not the deep sleeper. You are the self. You do not know your real identity, they're saying. And this is exactly what they're preaching, all these books. What do we say? This guy is a pagal. I don't know what he's talking about. What is he talking about? He's talking rubbish. I know who I am. So we relate to this body, mind, intellect, going through the three states of consciousness. The self-realized soul no longer identifies with these three conditioned states of consciousness. He has no desire to initiate, enjoy anything in the world. Hence, he's said to be a wise sage, liberated from the waking world. He continues to act in the world with no interest, no desires. Doesn't want anything, doesn't want to enjoy anything. But he may enjoy, but the desire is not there. So the other question. So an individual who is self-realized, we would say that they would also go through waking, dreaming, deep sleep states, yeah? Like us, same as us, because that's in the world. Mm -hmm. So they have to. So they go through that knowing that they're conditioned or they go through those three states knowing that all of that is an illusion or how? Anybody would like to answer that? She's saying that a self-realized person still goes through those three states of consciousness. How does it go through them? Yeah, Kill. Is it because you're still in the world, you still got those vasanas that you need to exhaust? Um, so you you basically live in the world, but more like an observer rather mm. than partake or participate. So you do your duties, yeah. um, 
but that's that's about it. Yeah. So as a human, he's still a human being. So all human being goes through these three states of consciousness, conditioned states. The difference is a self-realized person understands he's going through these three states of consciousness, but he knows he is the self. We go through these states of consciousness and we are ignorant. We don't have any understanding of what these three states are. We just go through that experience with no knowledge and understanding. And that's the difference. He understands I'm, he's realized the self, he's the self. But until he transforms into, until he passes away this, in this life, he knows that he will continue going through this state. With total understanding. He's not attached to any of those states. Liberated, free. Yeah. yeah, not attached, not affected. And that's the difference. He is liberated. Free. Yeah, go. So in that state, um, you obviously have to perform your duties, right? So if you have a family or you have a job, whatever, or you have to still do all of those things, right? To, to, to fulfill your duties. Um, but you would not generate any karma, right? In, 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 in that state, because you wouldn't, what I'm trying to say is basically, like as a human, we always have like a, a, mom a moment where we lapse, right? For example, we might be calm and composed all the time, but we have, uh, you know, that moment where you where anger just comes in or, you know, in that state, would that ever happen? So, because what I'm trying to get at is if you're self-realized and you are still human, so you're prone to, to being a human, if you have that moment of anger or that moment, does that mean... Like you, you're not self-realized for a while and you still got to, you know, do, do you like, can you backtrack a bit and then you have to still work back up to that point? So I don't know if my question is like clear enough, sorry. That's okay. I get the gist of the what you're trying to say. Is he still affected by these um, emotions? This is your question. Am I right? Yeah. Is he still affected by these emotions? Because he still has emotions. He still feels cold and hot. Yeah. yeah? Is if you know you're saying he may still get angry, yeah. Um, anybody know? Yeah, Neil. Well, I don't know, but I'd say that um, I'd say they wouldn't react because because they they know because they're unaffected um, and they're kind of reveling in this pure state of who they really are. Um, I would say that then, you know, things that we get affected by or agitated by just wouldn't affect us. We'd just take it in our stride and carry on. That's my perception. Yeah. Guess. Anybody else? He's not affected by anything. Give you, I'll give you an example. So uh, if you read about the life of Swami uh, Ramna Maharishi, yeah, Ramana Maharishi. When he became self-realized, he stopped talking. He was in an ashram. He would come every morning and sit in his place. No emotions, no nothing. Just looking. People would come from all over the world in his presence. All he would do is sit and look. Sometimes he'd move, a twitch, and so, oh, he's moved, look, 
He just moved his legs. Wow, I experienced him moving from one stance to another. That was it. He wouldn't do any action, no emotion, no nothing. That was him being self-realized, acting in the world or not acting in the world, but that's the way he was. Other self-realized sages may behave differently because it depends on the vastness that are still they have, which they're exhausting because everyone's personality is different. Now, the difference here is that they're not affected by anything. They may get angry, but they're getting angry and using that emotion for the particular purpose. While you will get angry without any control, or we will get angry without any control. How dare you did that to me? How dare you said that? Yeah? He would get angry, if he was to, for the benefit of that person. The person is talking to, the person is helping. You will get angry at him because he needs that anger to change. So he's using his emotions rather than becoming emotional. You see the, you see the subtle difference, everyone? Like a child, you may get angry at the child. He's running off to cross the road. Lose, he, take, he lets go of your hand and goes to run across the road. You may say to him, you should not do that. You raise your voice. You're using your anger to, to, um, uh, so that he understands that what he did was wrong. But inside, you're not angry. Same thing. That's the best way I can explain it. So he still has the emotions. She still has the emotions, but they're not affected by the emotions. Thank you. Is that okay? Yeah, thank you. Okay. So this is the state of a self-realized person. And this isn't made up. This is by, uh, written by people. This, it, this is the observance of self-realized souls. This is how they are. This is how they behave. And everyone behaves differently. But one thing common is that they know they've reached that state. They've fulfilled that purpose as a human being. It's like, as I mentioned before, you as a waker going back to the dream, back to the dream world, you're totally objective, correct? Let's say person is chasing you in the alleyway, yeah? It's dark, you're going home from the tube station. Suddenly you see someone following you. You think, who's that? It's raining, it's dark. You have to go through a particular quiet road in order to get home. Suddenly you see him following you. You get scared, you're worried. In the dream, yeah? You've all experienced it. And he's coming and you see he's getting something out of his pocket. You think, what's going on? What does he want? You get scared. Suddenly the alarm goes off. Your wife says, hey, Kibble, it's time to get up. You're sweating. But you had it on five minutes early. Yeah, you got a snooze button. You snooze. You go back into the dream state. Now you're awake. What's going to happen? Hey, 
you'll turn around and you'll start chasing him. Hey. <laughs> we playing at? Come on, you want to fight? That's the same thing. A self-realized soul is living in this world, knowing the reality. You're not affected by anything in the dream now, now that you've gone back. You don't care how tall he is, how big he is. It doesn't matter to you. He's carrying a knife. He's carrying a gun, an AK-47. You're not bothered because, <laughs> you know, it's a dream. You're not affected by anything that happens there. Correct, Kevil? You got AK-47, I got an AK-57. You'll take it out. There's no such thing, but still you'll take it out. <laughs> it's a dream. You're not affected by anything. So question to you, why is the waking world more real than the dream world? You're all in the waking world now. Why is the waking world more real than the dream world? This is off topic, but just for you to uh, understand. Why is the waking world more real? Nila? Is it because in the waking world, we've our bodies there and we've got our senses that are connected to the world? Perfect. Perfect. In the waking world, you have the use of your physical body and you have the use of the five senses. Your smell, ears, hearing, nose, taste, touch. In the dream world, you don't have that. You only have the mind. That's why you think the waking world is the real state. Dream, deep sleep state is not is unreal. That's why you identify more with the waking state. Yeah, Kyo. Cool. What about persistence? What, what, sorry? What about persistence? So from day to day, mm -hmm. right? Like I wake up, I wake up every day in the same house because yeah. in the real world, right? I have the same possessions, I have the same job, I have the same yeah. family. Whereas in the dream world, you don't have that persistence, right? Every time you enter the dream world, you could be somewhere else, you could be the king, you could be a beggar, you could yeah. essentially be anywhere, right? There's no persistence yeah. um, on an ongoing basis. Uh, yeah. And I know maybe the construct of day might be different, um, yeah. but at some, in, in some sort of time, time scale, there is persistence, right? Yeah, because in the waking world, you have your vasanas propelling your life. Yeah, and there's a consistency in you as a person. Your body, mind, intellect is the same in the waking world. In the dream world, these aren't available to you. It's only the mind and playing games in the dream world. You know, you had a rough day, you, you, you'll, you'll sense it in the dream world. Yeah, you don't sleep well. Agitated in the in the in the wake in the um, dream world, but in the waking world, there's a consistency. There's a time. You're in the same house, same bed. You have the same partner, children. There's a continuation because your vasanas are there propelling you. In the dream world, there is no vasanas. Yeah, and your vasanas are consistent in the waking world. Yeah. You, can't, you cannot be a beggar in the waking world and wake up the next day and be a king. It's not possible. In the dream state, you can. 
You can be a beggar tonight, tomorrow you can be a king in the dream state. But in the waking world, you cannot. And also you have the play of karma, cause and effect. And that's the reason. Is that okay, Kel? Yeah, that's right. Good question. Yeah, so. You said that in the dream world, we are the subtle body, which is our vastness, thoughts, and emotions. But that's what the subtle body is, right? The subtle body is vastness, thoughts, emotions. And that's what we have in the dream world. Our subtle body is available, right? Yeah. In the waking, we have our gross body, vastness, thoughts, emotions, right? In the dream, we have subtle body. Subtle body is vastness, thoughts, emotions. In the deep sleep, it's the causal body, which is nothingness. So what's the difference between the dream world and the waking world? What don't you have in the dream world that you have in the waking world? The gross body. And? Buddhi. Your intellect. That's the difference. In the waking world, you have your intellect to make decisions. In the dream world, you don't have, it's only the mind. Okay, so that's the foundation for today's class before we take on verse 20. So we're all on the same page. Does anyone have any questions? So we all understand our goal now, yeah? Anyone have any questions? Any clarifications? Okay, so verse 20. Tyagva karma pala sangam nitya tripto nirashrayaha karman yabir pravarto pi neva kinchit karoti saha tyagva karma pala sangam nitya tripto nirashrayaha karman yabir pravarto pi neva kinchit karoti saha having renounced attachment to fruit of action ever content depending on nothing he does not do anything though he is engaged in action so this is how a self-realized person behaves having renounced attachment to fruit of action ever content depending on nothing he does not do anything though he is engaged in action so it's saying a person who is self-realized how does he act in the world we've sort of covered it already he renounces his attachment to the fruit of action what does that mean anyone he renounces his attachment to the fruit of action He has no expectations or rewards. He effectively is unaffected. There's, there's no expectation. He's just doing whatever his obligatory duties are, what his fasteners are, and that's it. There's no expectations for many people. Perfect. Okay, the opposite. Any action that we perform in life, us, an unself-realized person, how do we perform action? What is the motivation? Yeah, Damash. 
the reward at the end. Reward at the end. So the fruit of action is what Dharmesh said, the reward. Every action we perform, we expect the reward, the fruits of that action. See, you plant a tree, you plant a seed, you want the tree to grow. Yeah, mango tree or cherry tree or apple tree. And you're looking forward to the day it gives you the fruit. One day, this tree will give me apples, pears, whatever it is. So you're looking forward to enjoying the fruit. Hence, you've planted that seed. Similarly, any action we perform, we are looking forward to the fruits. What are the fruits that we look forward to? Ramesh? Happiness. Happiness. And how do we, what, what do we think we, we want to get so that we're happy? What, what is it that we desire? Yeah. Name, fame, wealth. Well, that's it. We think we get those, we get happy. You act, save for a car, for a holiday, home, new home, do, do your house up, kids, etc. Every action has a goal, whatever we do. The result of that action, the result is called the fruit. So whenever it says in the scriptures fruit, that means the result. Yeah, that, that seed and tree explains it perfectly. You're saving, you're earning and saving up for a holiday. Every time you're acting, all you can think of is the holiday. When will I save enough? I want to go to the Maldives, little island, you know, only 20, one, two, one hotel on the island. When can I save up enough? What will it be like when I get there? Will the weather be good? How will the hotel be? It says it's five star. Will it be five star? This time next year, I'll be going. Month before, this time next month. While you're acting, you're constantly thinking of the fruit, the reward of that action. Right or wrong? This is a crude example I'm giving, but everything we do, we're looking forward to the reward. So any action we do in life is motivate, motivated by the fruit, the result. So what this verse is saying, a sage, a self-realized person acts in the world freely without any attachment to the fruits. See the difference? That's what this verse is saying. A self-realized soul acts without any attachment to the fruits. Is that clear, Damesh? So you may say, so what? What is wrong with thinking about the fruit? I've got a good job, I earn good money. What's wrong with going on holiday? There isn't anything wrong. But what they're saying is that when you act looking forward to the fruits, there's a constant mental agitation. The mind is agitated all the time. 
And this expresses as discontentment in life. Constant yearning to require that fruit. And when the mind is agitated, it's difficult to focus on the action, 100%. It's difficult to give you 100% to that action. And if you can't give 100% to the action, it makes it more difficult to get that result. This is what they're saying. The mind is agitated, thinking of the future to the fruit. How can you give your 100% to the action? Does that make sense, everyone? The reward is in the future. Don't worry about it. It will come if you put in the right action. Just concentrate on putting the right action. This is what they're saying. Any questions? Another thing, difference between a self-realized cell and a normal person. Normal person meaning, they say ignorant person, normal person, means a person without the knowledge of the self. That's all it means, yeah? Whatever. Whenever it says ignorant person, it means a person who doesn't have this knowledge. A wise person is said to be self-sufficient, content, happy. He's not dependent on anything in the world for his happiness. He's content with the bliss, happiness of his own self. He's reveling in it. He doesn't need anything. Hence, when he acts, no motive for his action. He's already peaceful and happy. There's nothing in the world that can change that peace and happiness. Nothing in the world that, that can increase that peace and happiness. That's the difference. He's happy from within. Here it says he's called inactive. Inactive meaning that even though he's acting, he's inactive. Person involved in the world attached to the fruit of action, constantly agitated, always discontented. And it's constant because his desires are never ending. You fulfill one desire, another one pops up. This goes on forever. Even on your deathbed, you people think, if only I did that, if only I did this, even while they're dying. Could you read paragraph one, please? The preceding verse describes an enlightened sage as free from all actions of this world. This verse speaks of his state of harmony with external conditions. The next shows his harmony with his inner condition. And verse 22 is harmony with the effects of action. The sage renounces his attachment to the fruit of action. He remains ever content with the bliss of his own self. He does not depend on anything else. Such a person is deemed inactive, though actually acting in the world. The difference between the actions of a sage and an ordinary person 
lies in the relationship, relation to the results of action. A sage merely acts, free from any attachment to the results of the action. Whereas the average person acts with his eye on enjoyment of the results of his actions. He has a clinging attachment to fruits of action, even before he acquires them. This attitude towards his actions produces mental agitations and discontentment in life. Moreover, his very actions become impaired by that uncontrollable yearning for fruits. Impaired actions naturally lead to failure in obtaining the desires of fruits. Continue. The sage, detached from fruits of action, remains always a contented person. Knowledge of self brings about self-sufficiency. Reveling in his own self, he lives a life of total contentment. He remains independent of all that this world can offer. This state of independence and contentment contrasts with others who remain bound to this world in every respect. Such people lack self-sufficiency. They constantly desire for and acquire what they do not possess. The pursuit of material object knows no end. Such people remain ever agitated and dissatisfied with their existing lot. A cripple in a wheelchair yearns for legs. One who can walk with proper legs desires a bicycle. The owner of a bicycle feels dissatisfied and desires a small car. The small car owner desperately hopes to acquire a big and expensive car. Thus, it goes on and on. None is satisfied in this world with what he has. The wise one alone, anchored in the self, does not depend on anything. He never ceases to act, but his actions do not affect him or taint him in any way. They do not create in him any vastness, desires. Therefore, he does not act though engaged in action. Thank you. That sums it up pretty well. A cripple yearns for legs. Person with legs yearns for a bicycle. Person with a bicycle yearns for a small car. Person with a small car yearns for a big car. And it just goes on. A person who has no knowledge of the self is completely dependent on, on the world for his happiness. And because of that, he's creating more desires. To fulfill one desire, never two pop up. Self-realized person creates no more vastness desires. You have a desire for a child. Does that one desire stop there? Why not? You have a desire for a child. You, you, you didn't have the child. Then you wanted to do well. You want grades. You want a family. You want another one. You wanted to go to university. You wanted to be more successful. Ever been growing. Then you want to, to find a good wife, a good husband who looks after him or her, looks after you, respects you. It continues. Then you want them to have children. 
fully granddad. It continues. So that one desire for child opens up to how many thousands of desires? Emma, all of you who are parents. All of us, she's corrected me, who are parents. So this is how desires operate. That one desire opens up Pandora's box. I'm not saying it's wrong to have a child, by the way, yeah? Just give you an example. So you might all be thinking, you know, okay, Anik Advai is talking about the self-realized soul. Where is the self-realized soul and where am I? When will I ever get to that state? Yeah? Why am I wasting my Sunday mornings listening to this when it's unreachable? Yeah, you might be thinking that, and rightly so. But the difference is, one minute, you don't have to get to that state of self-realization to benefit from this knowledge. Yeah? Even a little knowledge helps you from agitations, helps you to deal with the little desires. Simple desires. A little bit of knowledge helps you with that even. And when you see that this is helping me, you put in more effort, you learn more, and then you can deal with bigger desires. And it continues. This is how this knowledge works. Yeah? So even though we're discussing the ultimate state, it's only to give everyone an idea, an understanding of what that state is. Otherwise, it's an unknown state to all of us. It gives you inspiration. Yeah, Again, we're worrying about the fruit. Stop worrying about the fruit. Yeah, when will I get self-realization? Very good, Dhamesh. When will I get there? I've been coming to these classes for four years now. Every Sunday morning, I listen to this chap talking. When will I get there? Yeah. That's looking at the results, the fruit of the action. You'll get there when you get there. Your karma, your vasanas, they all play a role in this. So I have a question. So we we talked about you know fruits of our actions, right? And obviously now we know that desiring the fruit of your action is wrong, and sort of you should just perform the action independently. But we live in the world, right? And we perform actions. Let's say we are at the state where we are performing actions without worrying about the fruits but the fruits will still come. Right? Absolutely. Because that's just the way the world works, right? You go mm. to work, you do a good job, you get paid, uh, whatever. Is there anything wrong with enjoying those fruits when you have that understanding? I'm guessing no, because otherwise it's just kind of a losing battle, right? Mm. Absolutely. You put in the effort, you want something, you put in the effort, you got it, you should enjoy it, rightly so. But with the understanding of one thing. But you shouldn't want it in the first place, right? That's the point. Not necessarily. You're a human being. You have desires. Yeah, you're not, you're not the state of desirelessness. You have desires. We all have desires. This is, this is who we are. We are made up of this. So they're saying strive. Why strive for a small car? Strive for a Mercedes-Benz. If you're going to put the action and put the action in to get the best, enjoy it. 
Nothing, no, this world is here for enjoyment. Enjoy it. But, what's that but, anyone? Yeah, Ravi, what's the, but what? Don't be attached to it. Don't let that be the goal of your happiness and such. Don't be attached to it. Everything is fleeting. Do not linger in that happiness. Enjoy it for what it is. Do not linger on it. But then because if you do, yeah, you will stop enjoying it because your desire will now be for Rolls Royce. I want a Rolls Royce now. I've had a Mercedes. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but I want something better now. Now you've pushed that desire forward to something else. And now you're agitated until you get your Rolls Royce. But, but, but that's exactly my point, right? So my, I think maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel like having the desire for Mercedes-Benz is probably wrong, but having the desire for a car because you need a car is... Is right, right, regardless of whether it's a Ford or a Hyundai or a Mercedes, right? I don't know, is, is that the correct? So the difference here is that, Kevin, first, your desire is I want a car. Then your desire is I want a Mercedes Benz because I heard they're really good. And that gives me a status as well. Then you come to a Sunday morning class, like now, with the knowledge, now what you're saying is, Actually, I only need a car. I don't need a Mercedes-Benz. You see, knowledge of the self, knowledge of this scriptures. That is the difference between an ignorant person and a person who has self-knowledge. You're able to control that desire. You're able to use your intellect to understand exactly what am I looking for. I want a car. Okay. I only need a small car. It's only me and my wife. Once I have a couple of kids, I'll get a bigger car, but right now I only need a small car. Why am I gonna waste my money on such a big car? Why do I need to spend so much money on a Mercedes-Benz? I only need a small car. That is a knowledge. That is your intellect. Yeah, saying, okay, I have a desire for a car, I need a car. Which one shall I get? The person who doesn't have that thinking and understanding and doesn't have an intellect, he will go with his mind. My neighbor's got a Mercedes. I really like that. I'm going to buy one. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to buy a better one than him. That's the mind. That's the difference between a mind and an intellect propelling that desire. Yeah? Hello? Yeah. Good. Makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. No worries. Does everyone understand that? That's the difference between gaining knowledge and wisdom and not. This is what the scriptures does. Makes you think. Okay, I'm not going to take another verse now. I think uh, for first class this year, you've, after the break, I'm sure your head's already hurting, but it was necessary to put you all on the same page again, after all those celebrations. Any other questions? We've got a few more minutes. When we're thinking about the fruits of action, <clears throat> those fruits are also um, related to our past karma, right? Cause and effect. Mm -hmm. So we might feel that we're putting in the right action, 
but the outcome is not actually as expected and you can be affected by that so is it like also important to have that understanding that actually I feel I've put in the right action right now but the outcome is dependent on so many things absolutely similar to what Kevin asked in parallel yeah you have a, a desire it mind can want anything yeah the mind can want anything there's no dimension to what the mind can want remember that and you i don't have to tell you you all know you wake up in the morning your mind can say i want to do this i want to go here the intellect has to come in and say hang on it's impossible not possible to fulfill this desire yeah but what you're asking is that when you put in the action why am i not getting the result that i desire anybody know i'm putting in no action why am i not gaining what i want yeah nilam is the attachment to the outcome preventing you from putting in the right action to bear the fruits that you ultimately want. Absolutely, Nilam, you're absolutely right. That's one point. Your, your action is not 100%. Your mind is agitated. You cannot put in the right action. Hence, the fruit is not what you desired. That's one thing. What's the other thing? The other thing I could say could be your capacity or knowledge. So depending on what goal you're going for, you may not have you well you're not reflecting on the capacity or knowledge you have to achieve that so i could say you know well i really want to be a life coach and i'll just carry on doing what i do day in day out and not get there because i haven't put in the effort towards that unexpected un unreasonable expectations another thing your mind can want anything do you have the capacity to achieve that that's where the intellect comes in. He has to say, can I get that? I want to lose 20 kilos. I'm going on holiday in four months. I want to have a six pack. Is that achievable? Is that unreasonable expectations? I don't know, you have to decide. But this is the point I'm making. Mind can say anything, I want anything. Have I got the capacity to achieve that? And then you put in the effort, you go to the gym every day and you say, you know, I've only lost five kilos. I have, I'm upset. I don't have a six pack. And you're upset. Why? Unreasonable expectations in the first place. Well, you realize you get more in a keg than a six pack. You know, you get a two pack instead. <laughs> but this is it. Unreasonable expectation. Then you're going to fail, aren't you? So this is the situation. Your mind can want anything, but I, do you have the capacity to achieve that? Yeah. Do you have the knowledge to achieve that? So unreasonable expectations and agitations for the fruits. When will my tree bear fruit? When will I have a delicious apple to eat? You only planted the, the seed last month. It's not even shooting out of the ground yet. You're already thinking, when will I eat that fruit? I'm going to make apple pie out of the apples. And you've only planted the seed. This is what the mind does. 
and now you're agitated. And you could sort of reflect using that analogy on your kids or people where you say you planted the seed and you have an expectation of something coming back from them. So you hang around and say, well, why they're not doing this? Or yeah, it could be kids, it could be external persons. So. You will achieve what you deserve, not what you desire. Remember that. You'll get what you deserve, not what you desire. If you remember that rule, you won't be upset. I will get what I deserve, not what I desire. Have the understanding, you'll be happy. Put in the right effort, gain whatever you want. Enjoy it. Nothing wrong with that. Remember, it's fleeting happiness. Permanent happiness is when you identify with the self. And on that note, we will close today's class.